I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the All by the Popcorn podcast. I'm Alessandra. And I'm Emily. And today we are going to talk about Ready Player One. Um, very, 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 very excited to talk about this because both Emily and I read the book this week and then we saw the movie. Yes, but to make it kind of different, I read the book before seeing the movie and Alessandra saw the movie before reading the book. So we might yeah. have some different thoughts on on how the movie and the book compare and contrast based on what you watched first. So that'll be interesting, I think. Yeah, well, let's just start with your first bullet point, I guess. Um, oh, I was just dumping um, notes down. But I started with characters. I don't know if that's where we want to start. That's a good place to start. All right. Um, so I started with uh, my first character I put down was Wade slash Parzival, um, the, the main character of the story. Um, who looks uh, different in the movie than he is described in the book. Well, yes. It's the, the character in the book goes through quite a transformation, I think, to where... Yeah, Because he, he, he starts off the book a lot younger when he starts the, the challenge, and he's kind of in high school, so there's a lot of changing that could be happening during that time. Um, and he starts off... Uh, I don't know, unhealthy, like, overweight, I don't know, and then... Yeah, he's, like, typical nerd kid, basically. Well, and not to mention that he's very antisocial, which definitely forced him into playing the Oasis all the time, constantly. Like, in the in the book, you, you read that this guy is obsessed with going in the Oasis, so he's definitely not outside, he's very isolated he's very alone his only friends are on the oasis so it you know if you're that's yeah <laughs> i mean i, I don't know how else that to makes sense explain it yeah, yeah. Um, um but, but he know, also like yeah. goes through that transformation in the book where he like gets fit and stuff because he like forces himself to work out with the oasis because and, uh, in a weird way, because he has to, he bought this very expensive suit and he has to exercise to, to fit in it. Like he really can't let himself go because yeah. he, he already bought like a certain size of these really expensive virtual reality like suits and you can't, you can't outfit those. You can't just keep buying new ones. So um, even though yeah. he has tons of money in the book, but still it's like, it's, I feel like it was very, the way that his story went on, I felt like it was very not relatable, but definitely realistic. Like if, um, like situationally, if you were a hermit, like this kind of stuff could happen if you were obsessed with going into virtual reality stuff. Um, and then having to change your whole lifestyle because you're on the run 
you know, hiding from being murdered. <laughs> you know, you kind of got to change. Yeah. Well, we do have to stuff. note that, like, the time, the, the time scheme between the book and, and the movie is completely different. Like, the book takes place over, like, a couple years, I want to say, and, like, months, at least months. And the movie takes place over, like, a week. It definitely seems like it. The movie was very fast. It was very fast-paced. I mean, was, I, we didn't even see... It was hard to keep see, up at some points. I'd really want to know your initial reactions after reading the book, because I have initial reactions after reading the book from seeing the movie, so yeah. I, I want to hear what you have to say about what you thought the movie was compared to the book. I... From from hearing what other people were saying that, you know, they didn't like the movie at all because it seemed very different from the book, I actually thought that they kept a lot of stuff the same. Other than ga- gates and challenges aside, we'll get to that stuff later, I do have some thoughts on those. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. story-wise, it was very similar. Like, they had... They had the IOI, like, loyalty camps, you know, where pe- where they capture people who have bad debt and basically turn them into indentured servants to, like, pay back their stuff. Like, uh-huh. the, the stacks being exploded um, and his aunt dying. Like, that, all that's, all those key story points were in the movie. And I was actually very happy that they kept a lot of that because, you know, um, I thought they were very important to the overall story where there's, like... I don't know. I I'm, I kind of separate the book in comparing and contrasting to kind of the minuscule things and then the overarching story points. And I think overarching story point wise, overall story, it, it definitely stayed true to the book. I thought, even though things were kind of out of order, but yeah, I did I, like. I that. would say it was. It felt to me like the movie pick and chose like what it wanted to get from the book and in that sense it was like it may have been out of order but everything that was in the movie was most most like in the book like most likely actually in the book other than maybe like them transporting easily around places because in the book they have to pay to transport everywhere where in the movie it was just like for ease of access they could basically go anywhere and they didn't have to pay to go anywhere you know like transfer around in the oasis which isn't um, which isn't a huge thing to me, but it I really isn't. I definitely did like how the book kind of forced upon you the idea that the oasis was everything to these people. Yeah, like you and like it's bought a, everything. Yeah. Wade bought a new apartment, bought mm-hmm. everything to get away from the stacks after the after IOI blew up his home. Basically, he had to go on the run. Like he bought everything over Oasis. All money, like the current currency of the world, was yeah. Oasis credits. Mm-hmm. And so, even though they kind of dabbled in that with, with the explosion of, of people when their avatars died, they just kind of burst into money. I thought that was yeah. kind of creative, kind of funny, kind of like um, an homage back to that, because it definitely didn't seem like the Oasis was as over-encompassing as the book made the Oasis sound. Yeah, and I think it definitely was that they had amazing production design in the movie. Like Oh, spectacular. The, the oh stacks were fantastic looking compared to like at least what i read in the in the book it seemed like exactly the way it was in the movie um, oh, definitely and the the oasis was an an incredible amazing um visual feast really i mean it 
it's just yeah that whole opening scene where he's just describing everything that you could do like you go over the mm-hmm. minecraft world you go over yeah like you can ski down the ski down the um pyramids like yeah yeah that's... All, all this stuff was very inventive and a lot of it was created by the creators of the, the movie for visual purposes um because in the book he doesn't really like explain a lot about you know specific planets or like yeah, those I mean, specific... he does. He talks. He kind of about... does. He, he talks goes... about like different TV situations where he's like, "Oh, if you go to this planet, it looks exactly like the Goonies," or you know, it's like all this different stuff. But that's true. I mean, I I did feel like the book kind of gave a sense of what kind of stuff you could find. I don't think it got as an unless unless a corporation was paying for their own planet and making it kind of like a travel getaway place. People people making planets in the Oasis were just users, and they kind of just made them to make their own fortresses, like Falco, uh, Wade's, uh, Parzival's, like, stronghold planet that he created for himself. Like, you basically had to have the money in order to make these over-extravagant things. So, it's just interesting how you definitely have that hierarch- hierarchical view of whoever had the money had the best stuff, had the coolest things, had could go to these cool places. And I like that aspect of the book um, to where the movie, it did kind of have that. I, I would have liked to have seen more of the traveling to different places. It's, it seemed like all the places that they had to go were right there. It didn't seem yeah. as expansive as the book made it seem to me. I don't yeah, know if you definitely. felt the same way. But um, yeah, it I definitely felt like a lot it was so more much, like sectors in space. Like mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. they sectored everything off to where things were located, and it just seems so much more expansive in the book. But um, overall, I loved how they visualized the oasis. I actually liked the the journal entry room, even though even though I felt like the journal entry room kept everyone close instead of spreading everyone out. They could like the the what. Find- the journal entry, like, museum, coliseum thing. Oh, where the, where like, the... yeah, the almanac, like, museum, right. That does not even, that's not even in the book at all. No, it's not. It's not. Because everyone in the, yeah, all the Gunters had to find out their own information their own way by, like, downloading stuff. I think, I think a lot of the information was free for them to download, but they had to pick and choose. It wasn't just all, mm-hmm. it wasn't just all in this library for them. You know, I, I was going to say earlier, just in terms of plot and stuff it seemed like the movie was basic okay so if like if every particle and every bit of story and every bit of like information in the book was a puzzle piece it felt like the movie took all those pieces and then scattered them around and like put them in different orders and like through this one piece of information from the beginning of the book and put it at the end or, you know, it's, it was like all over the place, you know, it yeah. really felt like it definitely like took the, 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 like, it, it had the general structure of the book, obviously with the whole, like, um, going into like getting the gates and stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that was like the adventure part of, of the book and the adventure part of the movie uh, that kept the audience engaged, but it's just, like, all the pop culture references, everything that was, like, specific to the book m- was altered for a movie-going audience in a way that I thought was, like, pretty good. Like, definitely, like, I wish that there was more, um, 
more stuff that I was interested in in the book that didn't make it into the movie, you know? Um, like, the yeah, whole... Yeah, I, I was kind of excited to see that whole Heather scene that happened in the book, but I know yeah. that wasn't going to happen, but yeah. You know, you didn't get, like, the, the flick, cinema flick thing where he, like, talks the movies out. We didn't get that at all in the movie. It's because, um, yeah, and, and I, I kind of predicted this going in because a lot of people were saying that the reason they didn't like it was because none of the challenges were the same. And yes, the challenges yeah, were different. very clever and very well thought out in the book, but that was never going to translate into a movie. I don't think that'd be way too difficult. And to make it, like, even though it was very entertaining to read, I don't think that would have translated well to the movie. So going in, I already knew this, that knowing that they were completely different. So but, let's talk about uh, the second character that you probably have, which is probably Artemis. Wait, um, I'm not going to talk about Wade. <laughs> wait, you're not talking about Wade? I'm sorry. Well, because, I just thought we could talk about the gate stuff later. That's right. That's right. We can. Um, um, I just wanted to note that his avatar was hot. That's it. We can go on. I, I thought that the kid who played him was fantastic. He was really good. I really liked yeah. him. He um, surprised me. I thought he was, he was really great. He, yeah, I, I definitely liked uh, the, the actor they chose for Wade. He was very, um, yeah. uh, he was just very, he was very simple, and I liked that. He was, yeah. um, he wasn't, like, over the top. Because, you know, even though Wade is this very knowledgeable, very, like, trivia, uh, you know, trivia knowing of Halliday, I kind of liked how they they took because in the book he did everything like he yeah went into the ioi indentured servant yeah. thing like he did everything he sabotaged he did all of the major plot points where in the movie they let the, everybody else kind of be involved which i liked that because yeah i like that too because yeah. it, it, it had good character building because even though you could easily bring up a character later and bring up some character building later in the movie you kind of have to bring it all up pretty quickly so I kind of mm -hmm. liked how they had Artemis go in and had the background where her dad had died in one of these things, and that made it, like, very, very real for her to yeah, be there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then an H's role in everything. So I guess we can move on to H. Um, so compared to the book, H wasn't, he didn't do much. I mean, he was just Wade's best friend, and he had like an awesome gaming basement chat room that they would always hang out in. Other than that, in the book, H, he helped out in the last battle scene, but I feel like in the movie he got a lot more stuff to do. Yeah, um, he was a lot more prominent and definitely him and Wade were um, not really competitors. Like they really wanted to help each other out um, very clearly. Or in the book, he, you know, he wasn't as receptive because they were like in competition to each other and I felt like in the movie they were more okay with helping each other out you know yeah which is fine I mean because because they end up helping each other a lot in the end anyway it's just you know when when the hunt is first starting none of nothing really seems like a threat and people definitely seem like they can do the challenges on their own and really don't need any help but then um they they do end up coming together later so it's fine that they were just ready to help each other out in the beginning um, and I loved that H had instead of a basement, but had the, the chop shop, basically the, um, yeah, yeah. Where he made all that, all the stuff. Yeah. So I, I think that definitely brought a really real aspect to him and made him a lot better character. Actually. I really enjoyed H a lot. Um, yeah. And then when, when he, when Wade meets, um, her in person, 
Yeah. His age is actually, a, you know, like a gay black woman. Mm-hmm. And he just completely doesn't expect it. I really love that in the book, the way that they described how they were still best friends, even though, you know, we didn't expect her to look like that at all. Um, I thought that was really cute. Um the, the way that they were talking about it. Although I have a lot of criticisms of this book and I, I mean, I guess that's one of them is just the way that they have like a token gay person, token black person. It's like, oh my God, like, do you, why, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and in the book, how she pers like she purposely made, cause in the, in the uh, movie, her character kind of just looks like an, orc of some kind i'm not sure what Mm -hmm. what species it is but um but in the book she actually explains that she chose a white male character because of what her mom because her mom also worked in the oasis and her character was a white male because i guess she what was she she was like a saleswoman of some kind yeah Um, and obviously like when you go to the oasis you can lose yeah yeah yeah. you lose your race yep and yeah so she just took that from her mom and made a, a white male character that's what that's what she had described it as so um and then i kind of wish that they'd had more of a it, it just seemed like them running into each other in the real world was just oh that was ridiculous was just nothing was every like, was like happenstance like it was just everything about that entire situation with them all being in the same place at once was just completely unrealistic it just can, it just I did not under, make sense i can understand because they have a lot that's why i was thinking about it now i kind of wish that the movie was kind of broken up maybe into like two or maybe even three movies just because i feel like there's so much that you could get out of this book that wasn't really brought into the movie like when think about this wade is so obsessed with the oasis that he takes everything he takes everything on as just an illusion he is a hermit he does not go outside yeah he doesn't he only knows these people through their avatars and when he sees them in real life in the book like him and him and h stare at each other and it's awkward for like a couple minutes because he's like oh my god this is a girl like yeah, I he doesn't do well like talking to girls. Girls don't no. like him. That's what he says. And <laughs> yeah. then, but then the second they get back into their rhythm and know that they're just best friends, it doesn't matter. But I would have liked that interaction to have been there because it, it definitely wasn't. They were just running around. It was like they were instantly in danger, so they just didn't have any time to talk. Really, it didn't. And and I think that's why. I, f- I feel like to make up for the things that they took out, they just kept the movie fast-paced so that you didn't yeah. think twice about what happened back there. Like, you're just yeah, already moving definitely. forward. You definitely had to just keep going. Like, oh, did did something really just not happen back there? Doesn't matter. We're on to something else. Like, yeah, like, we're just going to keep moving the plot forward as fast as we can. Because um, it's a lot to cover, and I understand, but I just wish maybe there was a chance to, like, slow it down, bring in more movies, because... There were a lot of aspects of this book that I really enjoyed that I don't mm-hmm. want to say that I was disappointed we didn't get because I did kind of like the different experience I got with the movie because, yeah. let's be honest, yeah. it's if just you're different. reading a book, you don't want to see, even though it would have been cool to see it visually, you don't want to see the exact same thing you just no, read. No, you definitely don't. And Steven Spielberg said that this actually was the most challenge, like one of the most challenging movies he's ever made. And I believe it. 
Because Definitely. It, it, seem, it seemed like it would be so impossible to adapt this. With all the it, copyrights and, and even yeah. just the writing and, and finding out what to put in there. That's why he had the writer of the book actually help him write the screenplay, which which I wasn't aware of before going in, which I can completely understand. Like, how do you know what to pick and choose from this book? I, I thought everything was important. So, yeah. and that's just crazy to even fathom how he could even get this much into the movie. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely amazing that the, all the, they had to, you know, figure out how to get through all that copyright stuff. And literally the only person who could make this movie is, is basically Steven Spielberg. I mean, there's no other situation in the, in the entirety of the universe where he wouldn't have an, enough pull to make this giant pop culture referencing, you know, fever dream basically is what mm-hmm. it is yeah basically. it's like there's no other it's just insane because the the writer like references steven spielberg and steven spielberg movies like throughout the entire book and then his book got made into a movie by steven spielberg like it's just like what like you're like, like th- it's like what more could you ask for i mean it's seriously. like levels of crazy yeah. and then like seeing him at comic-con and seeing you know the cast at comic-con and you know all of that was really special and it's you know i don't know if it really like brought us closer to understanding the movie but i definitely i I really appreciated at least getting to see steven spielberg in that sense you know yeah i i just remember i didn't even know where ready player one was when we when we first saw the panel at comic-con i was like oh this looks like an interesting i i had no idea i had i had no idea this was even being created when we first saw it and now the fact that i just watched it and i just finished the book Thursday night, two yeah. days ago. Yeah, I finished it to, at Thursday night as well. Yeah, so it's just it's very it's very crazy how stuff just moves so quickly. Um, but we can move on to Artemis next. Um, so yeah. Artemis, they also I, changed Artemis's character as well. Her storyline, yes. Everything else, I felt like was pretty. The way she looked too. Oh yeah, I mean she still had like those big alien eyes. Um, and she, she didn't have the jet black hair. No. And, and she, but she had that, that, uh, red birthmark on her face as well. Are we talking Avatar then, or real person? Oh, the real person. Yeah. Um, yes. and then when they, when Wade and Artemis actually meet in the movie is completely different than when they meet in the book. Like, in real life. Yeah. So, it's, I'm kind of conflicted about this part of the part of the movie just because they definitely had with books you have a lot more time to explain mm-hmm. things so of course mm-hmm. of course I felt that Artemis and Parzival's relationship was going very fast in the movie um, yes I did yeah. I did like the scene with them at the club where she was kind of like seducing him because at that point she even tried to warn him she said like, yeah. you know we're competitors we you should not be telling me this important, like, this such personal information about yourself. And I liked how she did, even though she, in fact, was conflicted also, like, I feel like she did actually, she does care for him, but at that time, she was just kind of infatuated with him. And... Yeah, I, I, this is another one of the, I think, the criticisms I have of the book, and less so the movie, because I felt like, I felt like it was, it was, um done 
pretty decently in the movie as t- in terms of like them really only knowing each other for so long but he had read her blog and whatnot um i also thought she was like a way cooler person in the in the movie than in the book because she just was like she spoke with confidence and in the book he explains that she rambles on about things and like is this perfect nerdy girl that all the guys really you know want to get with and Wade is just like infatuated with her like her avatar but also just like her blog and stuff it just I really I liked her more as um Olivia Cook like I thought that she really brought a lot of like um humanity to this person and that she actually got a role where she could help take down IOI from the inside you know like yeah it she just had more to do and she seemed like a stronger character in the movie than in the book is what I'm trying to say most definitely that's what that's what our um our friend Hannah also said she liked the the more stuff that she was given to do in the movie and I like that as well I just in terms of their relationship I kind of liked how the book laid it out because he started off being obsessed with her which which makes sense because he he knows nothing but the oasis and just having a crush on this person then you meet them in real life and just getting overly crazed and insane over this person to where he doesn't even want to search for the egg anymore because yeah, of, yeah, because of yeah. a person that well, he doesn't like even know in real sick. life yeah. yeah, yeah, uh-huh. So I like that aspect because it kind of forced him into kind of taking uh, Halliday's word at the end. You know how he's saying, like, I live my entire life being a hermit and I want you to live your life. And he kind of already learned that along the way. So I kind of yeah. thought yeah, totally. the, the way the book laid it out kind of... J- just their relationship, though. I do love her character, how they made her in the book. Her avatar was so awesome. I, like, kind of want to cosplay her for Comic-Con this year. Like, no joke. Oh, she is cool. She's super awesome. I don't know how yeah. I'm going to do that, though. No way. <laughs> um, and I just loved their dynamic in the book, how, like, they're just both crazy nerds obsessed over this game because at the time, everyone was. Like, just, just hearing them talk to each other about stuff that they found out and possible theories and things. There's like one of the minuscule things that I really enjoyed in the book, how every little detail seemed very important. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to kind of that detail later. So I feel like one of the gates did do that, but I didn't like one of the gates. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just stuff like that. It was, so I really liked them together. And again, Parzival was very nice to look at. I just, I loved his wavy hair. <laughs> yeah, and he's like... got a very anime style to him. He, he looks like an anime character. And I don't, I don't think he's fair. I mean, the anime hair, yes, but he doesn't look, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of anime drawings look the same. So it's hard to, and, and I know you feel this way too, Alessandra, even though I love anime and everything, <laughs> but um, I didn't think he looked anime at all, except for just his hair. But, I mean, his hair was pretty anime. But, like, his avatar was so cool. I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. <laughs> he would, like, walk, like, you know, in the movie, he's like, has this gait where he, he feels like he's kind of, like, walking like a cool guy, you know? But then um, but then he's, like, just super, he's, I don't know. Yeah, when he was walking in the very beginning, he was walking, like, kind of fast, but, like, kind of cool. Like, it was. Yeah, like a cool person. Like, you know, like, 
stepping with a, like a pep in his step, you know, like a little yeah. bit, like you know, yeah. Um, it's just he just is excited to be there, I guess. Yeah, um. I, I love the movement of these of these avatars. They were God, mm-hmm. the the seed, the special effects were just like crazy awesome. Like it was, yeah. it was great watching these these things fight and everything. It was super awesome. I mean, um, I so but I went into this because I didn't read the book, so I watched this movie only just seeing that preview we saw at Comic Con, um, and I think we got to see like an extended preview of it. Um, Did we? I don't feel like we got to see anything. I mean, it was hardly anything. Saw, it was I, just like a trailer. I think we saw a trailer. Yeah, we saw a teaser yeah. trailer. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Um, in which the Iron Giant makes an appearance and everybody freaked out. And the um, and the DeLorean, of course. And the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, it just... I think... Uh, what was I... Was I tra- oh, so since I didn't read the book before, I saw the movie with a lot of doubt. Because I... I, you know, went into this and I'm, we go to Comic-Con, we're big nerds, but this is like, this is like on a level of nerd that is just, it's crazy. Like, there's just no way that any one person who reads this book or sees this movie is going to get all these references. Because it's just like, a lot of them are, are references from the 80s, which we were not alive during that time. So it's hard to say like, you know, we remember this. It's not like it's not like the nostalgia's there. We we just know what we know about the eighties based on what our parents have showed us and what media has showed us, right? So it's yeah. like And what we've personally gone out to see ourselves. Yeah, of course. I mean, we see a lot we do a lot of things related to the eighties and everything, but a lot of this book is for people who are older than us. It's for the generation that remembers the eighties, the generation that was were children in the eighties. So it just seems like uh and, you know, I went into this movie thinking, okay, I'm not going to get everything out of it, like, out of this like I should, but I still enjoyed the adventure of it, and I think that that's where the audience is. That's, that was the hard part for Steven Spielberg was that he had to make this this insane thing seem exciting to anybody, even if you don't understand any of the references, you know? Yeah, which I think is why the challenges got so difficult for him. I don't know if we're going to jump into challenges or not, but... um, Yeah. Yeah, going back on what you said about the 80s, even though there were a lot of references, again, like you said, that I personally did not get, um, there were a few things here and there, like, you know, John Hughes movies. Everyone's got to know about those John Hughes movies. War Um, Games. I mean, that was really cool when he got to go inside War Games. I'd never heard of War Games before. I want to watch that movie now. Oh, it's a great movie. There's some stuff that I want to watch now because of this book. But yeah. yeah, so again... I know the, pretty much the the only versed I'm, I am with video games or even games of any kind from the 80s is probably Dungeons and Dragons. That's probably it. Like, all of the Atari it's games. It's not a video game. <laughs> I know. I, I said game of any kind. Oh, okay. Game, video games and games of any kind, Alessandra. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, all those video games, I had no idea what any of those were except for Pac-Man. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what Black Tiger was, Adventure, that... You know, like Galaga and Space Invaders, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what I liked about the book, was that it was so time-specific. Like, reading the book, knowing that it's not not so far forward in the future, like, this is this takes place only, like, what, 10 years ahead of us, technically? Uh, no, in, 2045, in t- so... Oh, 45. Okay, but he was born in 27, Mm-hmm. Right? Is that what he said? Anyway, yeah. you know, 20, 
30 years in the future. So it's not too far away, but it's still far enough away to where you wouldn't think that stuff from the 80s would become the people's obsession. But it is the obsession because of Halliday. Yeah, because this this crazy, insane man wanted to dump all of his life's, like, hobbies and likes and dislikes on everyone mm-hmm. just so that mm-hmm. they could just so that they could get his fortune and his standing at uh g what is it gregarious systems gregarious systems yeah yeah the fact that he forced this this like not hobby but you know forced this lifestyle on these people yeah was was a really great aspect of the book that I really enjoyed because again like coming from someone who's not well versed with 80s stuff um but only like my slight slight knowledge this was really interesting to me because reading this stuff that I had no idea what it was it kind of put me better in the mindset of the Gunters and just how impossible this hunt really seemed because mm-hmm. people had to learn everything that this guy grew up with and yeah in five years. I mean, it took five years for them to find just the first gate. And so taking five years to learn a life, a lifespan of, of likes and, you know, hobbies that this guy had, it was just, it was crazy to fathom to me. Um, um, it's definitely insane because Wade is like an expert in everything. So it's like he has hardly any faults when it comes to the games that he's played and the, th- the challenges that he encounters um, in the book. And it just seems that, like, that's so impossible just to know so much about so many things. I mean, when we say, like, so many things, this is, like, it's like the encyclopedia of the 80s. And then you know you're an expert on every single entry. Not I mean, even that's just co- the 80s. This guy's life. Like, where he oh, hung yeah. out. Like, what he yeah. did. Who he talked to. And then things to. after the, the, you know, all the way up until, like, now. Like, they talk about the Lord of the Rings series. They talk about, like, you know, the... Pirates of the Caribbean like they just throw all this stuff in there it's like what is you know all of these these cultural touchstones you know that we have like Star Wars and Star Trek and you know it's crazy yeah it's it's really insane how how much they truly had to would have like the thought of what they would have had to put into this movie just is just insane I know like that, that brings us back to how hard it would be to make this movie and I think that it was successful in that it it amplified the things that were a little bit you know I I have criticisms of the book in a lot of ways and I think it it did it did help that um definitely like amp it made things better and you know it was still it wasn't like a fantastic movie but it wasn't like terrible you know I, I still enjoyed it I really enjoyed it. There were just some campy parts that were, yeah, kind yeah. of. The un- dialogue sometimes was like, yeah, the dialogue, yeah, dialogue a little. Which bit. is the book. The book has like terrible dialogue too. So it's like I don't. Well, yeah, because because it, it's basically kids texting each other. That's what the dialogue is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but when they communicate, like it just seems so. It's just some. Uh, of course, it's not real because they're in the oasis. But even when they are in the real world, it's like. When they talk to each other, it's like, they don't, it just doesn't really click for me. I feel like maybe it, it was just maybe the way it was shot or the way that, like, the, the rhythm of their speech, it was just something was about about it that, like, their dialogue just seemed really off to me. Oh, and, in the movie, I thought you were talking about the book, because I actually really enjoyed the dialogue in the book. 
Um, no, I I didn't like it at all. I thought I thought that sometimes it was good, but I just I didn't like his writing style very much. Actually, Ooh. I I didn't like when he would like uh, he just he said everything very simply, and you could tell that this was like his first book because the way that he would write uh, like he would explain things. I just didn't I didn't think it 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 was uh, very poetic. It, it was just a blatant t- saying what things were and then he would like go very in depth into like really really nerdy things mm-hmm. um which just brings out this this question of what it really means to be a nerd because for me it's like being a nerd is somebody who's obsessed with something or obsessed with things you know and yeah like, which is which is interesting because can you truly it's this book brings up a new, not a new definition, but like a new age of nerd. Because these people, who who actually know who actually knows what kind of nerd these these people would have turned into if they weren't forced upon having to be a Halliday nerd. Like yeah. the only yeah. thing these people knew was was Halliday stuff. They didn't have time to actually truly enjoy. Like of course you know Wade and H talk about. Um, stuff that they enjoyed watching, like, you know, shows and movies, because there's a lot of stuff from the 80s that you can truly enjoy, but the fact that this was forced upon them kind of makes mm-hmm. it seem like these people, in a way, Halliday was making them not live, because he made these people obsessed with something that they didn't, that who knows if they even really enjoyed, or... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Wade would say that he would, like, that's, this is, like, one of my favorite shows, or whatever, like, he kind of had some opinions about the stuff that he was ingesting. Yeah, that's true. But still, it, it still seems like it was very forced upon everyone to where they couldn't have found it. Be- because they were forced into it, they did find stuff that they enjoyed out of the situation, like finding joy out of a situation. But who knows if they would have actually stumbled upon this on their own. Well, I, yeah, it just seemed like to me like it, it's like such an intense, like, being a nerd is like being so obsessed with something so much that you know all the ins and outs of it and but of your own accord like something that you of, of course yeah but like it just seems yeah like you're, you're trying to say that it was forced upon them by holiday which is true but i'm just trying to say this like generally this is why nerds like this book because he he can like decipher something or go into something with such detail and like it, at risk of sounding like kind of like a uh he's better than everybody else because he knows more information about this than you do, which is kind of like a nerd trope of people who just like are, you can't connect with them socially because they feel like just because they know some, some more facts than you do about things that makes them better than you, you know, like that's kind of like, that's like an aura that some nerds give off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it, it's a pretentious, the, the pretentious comic, you know, comic book guy from, like, The Simpsons. Like, he's always just like, you know, but did you know about this? And then he'll, like, riddle off facts, you know. And yeah, I, or, I felt or like... someone will say something wrong and then they'll do the mm-hmm. whole college humor thing where they go, um, actually? And then, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. That Those it's kind like... of stereotypes and, and, yeah, like you said, tropes that nerds get. So, which yeah. I kind of liked, but I, I'm also... I'm. I'm not a reader, so the fact that it was just very straightforward and it and it described things well to me, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that because I yeah. I don't I like going into a book 
knowing that I can easily imagine it because I, I have a hard time with imagining things when I'm reading. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's why I tend to go for movies better because it's already visualized for me and then I just have to take in the story. I don't really have well, to formulate it myself. <laughs> I mean, of course. I could also I, call it laziness, but... I, I think it's more on that, but um, I'm just saying, like, I, I just don't really like his writing that much. Um, okay, understandable, I, yeah. Yeah, just because, it, it, to me, it's it's a creative story. It's a creative idea and plot and everything. Um, I just, I, I think it's, like, the, the actual words. Like, that's where I have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's why I, I guess I probably, I really enjoyed reading it, though. It's a page turner. I mean, it is, like, I would encourage you to read this book because it is so much fun. I mean, yeah, I, I read it in like three reading. days. I did not want to put it down. It, it took no, me two I weeks, didn't. but that was with restraint. I bought it on Monday and I finished it by Thursday night. So I, I was like, I was going. I'd read on the subway. I loved it. Yeah, I kind of had about two hours to read it every day. And I'm a slow reader, so you know. But um, Yeah, but I'm so proud of you. You did so good. Thanks, man. Yeah, you did um, so good. The other thing I wanted to bring up about Artemis was, like, how did you feel about her being a part of a rebellion? Like, it was such a minuscule part of the movie, but when... Yeah. But when they captured Wade and took him to the rebellion center or whatever, um, you just learned that for a split second that she was in the IOI, like, takedown IOI rebellion, which I personally thought was a little unnecessary because I liked how in the book it was just overly known that the Sixers were were douchebags and that everyone hated them and like there was no need for rebellion because it was known like people would go out of their way to kill sixers to spoil sixer plans to do anything to take down ioi but of course they were too big but yeah i liked i actually liked that because it allowed the characters to see each other in the real world and i think that that was a that was a good choice to have uh, Artemis be even an extra level of badass by actually being somebody who takes action in the real world and not just in the Oasis. Because, you know, in the book, it's like everything is in the Oasis. They fight in the Oasis. They don't, you know, the only thing Wade does is actually go to IOI a little bit. But even then, it's not like he, like, fights anybody when he's there. You know, he's a... No, he's, like, hacking the system for, like, eight days, and he's, like, working. Yeah, so it just doesn't, um, I think it it did add that, it had a really good element of, we needed to have a balance of CGI and real-world situations, because we need to see these characters' faces for real, we need to experience their, you know, uh, their reality more, and I thought that it did a good, like, that's why it added that element, and that was a good choice. Okay, I can see that. And also, I feel like it was the only, I feel like it was the only tie to, because uh, even though it was just well known throughout the book and it was just explained a couple, like, frequently, I feel like for the movie, they kind of had to just have that one uproar of like, we're gonna fight the Sixers! Like, they had to yeah. have, they had to have that purpose. And I feel like that was the only tie to maybe the other clans, because I didn't, I don't feel like... Artemis asked if if H and Parzival were in a clan, but they weren't, and I feel like that was the only time they talked about the different clans and stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, I think they just preferred to be, like, individuals and, like, fight 
not with a Gunter clan, um, just like fight individually, but then they kind of end up creating their own clan with Dido and Shoto as well, which, sort which of. ends up happening in the book anyway. It just happened yeah. kind of earlier. Um, and I, it was kind of, it was interesting that they did change uh, Dido and Shoto from the book. I think it was, um, I, I don't know why they didn't kill off Sho, Shoto no, Dido. like they did. Kill no, Dido? Yeah. Oh. Because um, in the movie, they were just like actual brothers where the younger one was 11. But in the book, they're not real brothers. They're just like People who friends. met online. They never met in real life. Mm-hmm. They just... And then the IOI go and actually kill um, Dido uh, in the can... act. Like, yeah. Which is crazy. But they don't do that in the movie. And I, I didn't. I, I didn't like that they just kept telling the kid that he was, like, the coolest kid in the world. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why do you have to keep saying that? I know. Do I need to wear a sign that says, I'm 11, shoot me first? Like, I mean, come on. There are... Yeah, like... like it was a weird choice. <laughs> yeah. I, I still liked Dido and Shoto. Um, I would have liked that they kill off Dido, not just because, but because I felt that that was a good indication of just how like scary IOI was that this is one of my main criticisms of the movie that the book I feel like did better like IOI was it felt almost silly at some times in the movie definitely definitely with Ben Mendelsohn and everything yeah the only scary part was when they blew up the stacks and and that scary um chat that Sorrento had with with Wade yeah, um, yeah. Which was very intense, I will say. But, like, in the movie, these people were were murderers, and they didn't care. And they were, Even like a, more so in the book, too. Yeah, in the book. Yeah, in the book. They definitely laid in that these people, that this company was, like, a monopolistic, murdering, killing company that will do anything to get, to get in charge of Oasis and charge people for like, memberships in order to get onto Oasis. Like, they were going to completely change Oasis's mainframe to where people had to pay for, for like, membership programs in, in order to even just enter the Oasis. And... Yeah. So, just this big, like, big company, you know, taking over everything and ruining everything type of trope that, you know, we kind of find in today's society where, like, it was the it was the big bad thing that no one wants. No one wants ads. No one wants to pay for yeah. ads. Exactly. Like, it's like the Oasis no, is free for a reason and yeah. everybody like... We don't want to yeah. have to pay $6 to not get ads on YouTube. Like, uh, Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that part I was kind of disappointed about just because I, I really wanted IOI to be as scary as they were. In, and I, and I, I, don't, I don't feel like killing Dido would have fixed that because there were just a lot of things. Like whenever they showed the oologists in the show, it just... They just seemed like relatable, like teens, like yeah, in ta- the movie, ta- yeah, talking about geeky stuff. So whenever they were on the screen, I was like, oh yeah, these people are relatable. Like they're just geeking out over something. But then you'd see Sorrento like getting kicked in the dick, um, like and then he'd be just like funny. Like it was just yeah, it had so... a, kind of an odd balance of like being funny and being serious. And I I, I don't know, it kind of was just like a little it, bit too yeah it was like off, like you said too yeah. campy a little bit too off key with some of the humor or things were taken a little bit too far i think sometimes um 
you know, that's just like a gen, like a general criticism of like a lot of the scenes, and you could tell that they probably struggled with those scenes. I mean, it's not like this is easy to to plug together, especially like creating a world where people have to understand the limits of the of this world, understand the reality, and you know, put in extra little things like. Um, uh, Sorrento like thinking he's he's outside of his little chair but in reality he's like actually still in the oasis you know yeah like, like the little inception they just completely added that inception part. piece that happened which I thought was kind of cool mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was just interesting especially when in the book it's laid out that this is like in a like a pretty much an apocalyptic time like the, the ozone Definitely. layer is like is like deteriorating and you know people are some people are extremely poor and the only way to get away from everyone's bad times and you know get away from reality was through the oasis so that's why that's why anorak telling wade to like if if wade had never met samantha he probably would have never cared to be in reality once he got anorak's or, or you know halliday's money because the world's the world's going down the shitter in the book, where like the world didn't seem so bad, uh, in didn't seem so bad in the movie. So, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, that's all I had to say about Artemis. We talked about Dido and Shoto. Um, Sorrento, we kind of talked about. He just didn't seem very scary. Uh, I did like Ben Mendelsohn though. He's a great actor. Oh yeah, I think. Looks wise, he he looked the part. It was just the character seemed a little bit too campy, like you said, and I kind of wanted him to be a bit more scary. Well, um, they did try to put that backstory in with him, especially being um, an intern. Like, yeah, like that. Yeah, like the fact that he did know Halliday, and then also he tried to. He was talking to T.J. Miller's character about like that orb that could explode the planet, and like trying to like tj miller's character was a little bit off for me as well because his his avatar was just like so ridiculous looking oh um, i would talk about iraq i have some thoughts about iraq yeah and i just thought that like that whole subplot was just to make this you know seem like that's not just from wade's perspective because the book is from wade's perspective so everything is like only told from from wade and you don't really get a whole lot of extra stuff, and so it was kind of nice to have this from a different, a bunch of different perspectives. Um, and like Sorrento's avatar was pretty cool too. Oh yeah, I definitely liked uh, the the boss man avatar. He looked a uh, he looked pretty uh he looked almost what was it that episode of what was it that's like an episode. Of, oh, like he looked like from Phineas and Ferb when Doctor <laughs> when Doctor Doofenshmirtz makes like a a businessman robot and he like tries to just sell people like he just has a bunch of businessman stuff and it's really funny. That's so funny. And uh, Sorrento's avatar looked just like that. But <laughs> I actually liked what they did with Iraq because of course in the book he's kind of just a cocky douchebag who just uh, who I guess is is wealthy so he like just makes fun he's like a big bully basically he mm-hmm. he makes fun of parzival a lot because everyone um like h and iraq know like whoever whoever was in h's basement at the time 
um, hanging out with everyone, like, knew that Parzival didn't have a whole lot of money, and so Iraq would bully him about stuff like that, and that his avatar wasn't very leveled up. Um, so he just seemed like a very, like, common bully in the book to where I kind of liked what they did with him in mm-hmm. the movie. I enjoyed that they kind of made him, like, a like a gopher, basically. Not a gopher, but, you know, he... He was working with Sorrento, and I kind of like how they made him a bad guy and how he was knowledgeable of this stuff. Because, of course, Sorrento doesn't know anything. He gets all of his information from a ton of people. So the fact fact that he uses people to gain information about artifacts, which are very important in in the book and also in the movie, they explain that the artifacts give people, like, massive power for short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I liked how they brought those in. And... The one thing I would have liked was if they kept, if they kept Iraq as being kind of that cocky douchebag and kind of made him inadvertently help Sorrento because in the book, Sorrento's good at manipulating people. Like he kind of, he, he knows what to say to you. He's a very good businessman. He, yeah. he like knows how to bend people to his will. So the fact that Iraq was just a cocky, egotistical douchebag like, Sorrento could have easily been manipulating him to kind of help him, because it kind of just seemed like he was commissioning him to go do these bad things. Like, he did it, and then he kind of just seemed a little dumb. That was it. He didn't really seem to yeah. have anything else going for him. So I thought maybe a different route for Iraq would have been a little bit better. But I still liked where they took him, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I thought I thought he was funny. Like T.J. Miller said some pretty funny stuff, um, and I thought his avatar was pretty funny looking. Like yeah, kind of scary, but kind of cool... not scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of a cool idea that you could be anything you really want to be, and you know, just definitely like putting that out there, like just being basically anything. Anything. It's it's kind of a cool and interesting and fun concept. Like, why wouldn't you want to spend all your time in the oasis? Yeah, it sounds awesome. Like, I would want to be there. I'm, I, like, love games where you get to create an avatar and, like, be someone else, so. Yeah, it's just, like, taking that concept of, like, a second life and just expanding it a lot, and it's a a good idea. Like, the guy who wrote this is, is pretty, like, he's a, he had a good, a good concept that I think he ran with pretty well, um, and... I love the idea with the the challenges. So now I guess we can talk about those because there's a, the challenges are so different in the book than they are in the movie. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's really hard not to not to want to criticize how they did them in the movie when I know when I know fully well that these would have been impossible to do. And so, yeah, especially like yeah, the the one where he has to talk through so in the book that they have to do things to get the keys. And then once they get the keys, they have to go through the gate and pass the challenge in the gate. So basically, it's like two challenges per key. And in the yeah, movie, you have to do they the just have one to get challenge. The key and then do yeah. the challenge after you open the gate. So it's, yeah. So it's basically like six it's things a lot. you have to do. It's like, yeah. it's a lot of things. And so that's why it's a little bit more fun because you're like, well, what's going to happen next? And of course, Wade is like a genius and can do all this stuff. Like, you know, he's like, and everything that was involved in, in a lot of the uh, gates in the book were, were playing a traditional 80s video game, like a coin 
slap video game like Tron or something. Yeah, which and, honestly, in movie form, that wouldn't be very interesting. No, it's not interesting. Like, they even, like, played that just at the very end, and they, like, hardly have any screenplay or gameplay, because that's really boring to just watch somebody playing on, you know, like an arcade game. For, yeah, like, of course. And also, even in the book, these challenges of, of him playing the video game would go by very quickly, like, just two, three pages tops, like, and he'd be done. Like, yeah. even less than that. I think it'd be two pages. Um, maybe even one and a half pages, but it was definitely very short and you just kind of understood that, hey, I'm playing, I'm playing a joystick arcade game, like whatever. And I won. So there you go. Yeah. It's just, um, it was interesting. Like I liked, uh, that, uh, Anorak would, would show himself and then at the very end we had, um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, the casting for, um, Halliday, it was, uh, yes, yeah, it was, was that guy. He was, was it's, a... uh, played by Mark Rylance, who's fucking amazing. He won an Oscar, um, <gasps> that's right. What did he win for? Yeah, for like last was, year, wasn't it? A couple of years ago, I think. Um, oh, there's people yelling outside. What a shocker. Oh. Anyways, <laughs> Ooh, they're really fighting. Oh, gosh. Should we pause? I don't know. No. Oh, they're gone now. I hear some really interesting stuff outside my window. That's scary. No, it's it's not scary. Oh, it's scary. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed the guy who played a uh, Halliday. He was um, he was really great, and I loved Anorak. He was so sassy, and I I just loved I loved watching him, like move and and talk. I, I loved all of his little one liners that he had. Uh, he was really he was really funny. Yeah, Mark Rylance um, did a great job, like, imitating somebody who might have a little bit of Asperger's syndrome because apparently he was on the spectrum. Um, and it, it was explained that way in the book, and it, it really did seem like that in the movie because he just, you know, he's this nerd who was, like, really antisocial and just completely, like, the way his he would talk, especially to Ogden Morrow, to um, Simon Pegg. You know, like, Simon Pegg just seemed like, you know, he's really easygoing, really businessman-y, and then, like, you know, um, Mark Rylance, Halliday would be, like, just not about that. Like, he he didn't like big crowds and, you know, or talking to people. Like, that just wasn't his thing, you know? Yeah. 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 So, we get to see a lot of, like, the background. Oh, the people are back again. Oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, you get to see like a lot of the background of Halliday with Ogden in the movie and especially with Kira, which is the second gate where they go to The Shining, um, let's, which is let's insane. Start the, let's start but with we'll the, start with the let's first start one. with the first gate. Yes. Okay, I have, so the first gate in the movie. I have a lot to say about the second gate. <laughs> the first gate in the movie is that race um, with all of the big monsters like Godzilla and King Kong and stuff. Yeah, heavily um, impossible to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, car race which with car just, race with just which was I think a good choice because it's fun. Like it's, racing yeah, it's is fun. fun. It's standard. It's common. It's 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 a actiony. You know, there's like a bunch of debris flying everywhere and monsters and references so it was it was fun the the first um i'm glad how short it was i'm glad they didn't uh make it longer than it needed to be 
Um, because, you know, the book was very repetitive in people just repeating challenges over and over because these, these games are just so impossible to beat that people would be doing this for weeks. Like, uh, when Wade first comes up to Artemis at the first key challenge or whatever, she'd been there for a month trying to beat the game. And yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm so... glad that it kind of just went through quickly and it was, it was fun. The, the car's you know, dodging things and, you know, a lot of smashing was, mm-hmm, was very mm-hmm. enjoyable. It was fine. It yeah. was, it was whatever. Um, and then, <laughs> but do you, and, did you expect it to be like the one in the book? Oh, definitely not. I, I knew that these challenges Well, also my coworker kind of told me what the first challenge was. She didn't go into detail. She just said that it was a race and she was like, Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. And I was like, okay, whatever. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But, so I knew it was a race going in. I didn't know, like, what exactly was going to happen. And they actually, the ending was very surprising to me, to where they, um... Yeah. They, they kind of touched on those, like, you need to know Halliday to a T to, to, um... To win these challenges. Like, they, he had to go back yeah. and listen to a specific conversation that Halliday had with this person at this time in his life. Yeah. In order yeah. to defeat the race, which I, I liked that they touched on that, because... It was those mm-hmm. types of tiny little things that someone could easily miss. But um, also, it's a it's a visual way of of showing the audience we're looking back at Halliday's memories with a very visual situation. It's not like we're reading the almanac. It's not like Wade is like speaking this to the audience. No, we get to watch Ogden. Like we get to watch Simon Pegg and um, Mark Rylance talk on screen. Like say their lines. Like. It just, it was a way better way to explain the past of, of Halliday, you know? Definitely. That's why I really enjoyed, yeah, that's why I I enjoyed Mm -hmm. the journal library, I don't know, whatever it's called. Um, I really enjoyed how they did that because it was just these, because it was really cool because since I'd read the book, I was like, I was like listening to what Halliday was saying in that scene. And the second he said, why can't we just go backwards? And then the movie theater, I went backwards. And then, yeah. And then drive and, backwards. And then Parzival went, wait, go back. Because <laughs> I was like listening so intently to what Halliday was saying, and and so it was really enjoyable to to know that I had to be listening to what he was saying. Like, did you did you catch on that too, Alfonso, seeing it before reading? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there was actually something in the book that I caught. I, one of the gates, I think it was the third one. When we get to it, I'll, I'll mention. I actually, I actually figured out the clue before um, Wade did. <laughs> I'm like really proud of myself too. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to get there. So, moving on to gate slash key two, since they were one and the same. Yes. Um. I. I did not like this gate. Um, In the movie? Yeah. I... the This was the Shining Gate. Yes, the Shining slash Kira zombie dance. Um, I think that the way that they... That they wanted to incorporate a movie, like, in the book. Like what they did with the War Games and with... Um, uh, what was it? The other one. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They wanted to incorporate a movie into the, this as if they were part of a movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was a fun choice and it I think they did a 
pretty good job of getting you inside the Overlook Hotel, you know. Yeah. Um, but you didn't, why didn't you like it? The, the Shining part was great. I, I love the whole beginning part when they were running through the rooms and H was like freaking the fuck out, like getting attacked yeah, by, this, seen the movie. by this yeah. old lady. Yeah, yeah so. which is like, you know, it's going to happen because anybody who's seen The Shining like knows what's behind that door. So they're like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 don't, don't go in there. I love, I love um, that part. What I did not like was the Kira part where the, in yeah. order to defeat the, you had just had to ask her to dance. I just like that part seemed like such a a gimmick almost or like a like a almost like a not a cop out but like it didn't seem like it was done like you mm-hmm. these challenges were supposed to be and and the fact that they were really old arcade games most of the time and they were like glitchy and the graphics were always very fuzzy and stuff and pixely it's what made the game much harder. Like if like I, I watch a lot of let's plays of old games and or like underdeveloped games on YouTube, and you can tell that games are harder based on age and just how well produced they are. Like yeah, games these games are tough. So the fact that Artemis was able to, and the fact that they just found out that Kira was the key already. Like I yeah. liked I liked how Wade was kind of given the clue in the book like he just happened upon it because you know you can't read everything about Halliday in a book or through movies you kind of have to receive this this information firsthand and Ogden was the last person alive who knew him the best him and so the fact that the Kira information was given was like so I don't know easily accessible I don't know that's how I felt I felt like they just knew about it already and I'm like really this is extremely personal and and even and even though they tried to expand on that by saying Kira's only mentioned once like why why did it have to be found out so quickly the fact that it was the gates to me were like like increased not only in difficulty just because of game type like arcade game they were playing but also in diving deeper and deeper into Halliday's mind. The mm-hmm. fact that the fact that Wade had to type in the the password that just so happened to be Kira's Dungeons and Dragons name of her yeah of her at character. The very end. Yeah. Because yeah. because Halliday loved her, which he didn't even find out until he talked to Ogden, like that just seemed like he stumbled upon it and then he was the only one who could possibly win because he was the only person who knew that information that could win so yeah that's what that's what of course that was what yeah so not there's to no go to, other way of yeah. knowing like i how did he find out that that was uh kira's name in dungeons and dragons like wasn't that in the almanac like how did how did he know in the book there uh, i like, think i don't I, I think that the, there was a section either I think he had watched like an autobiography or something of of him or a documentary that talked about his childhood and how they had like a Dungeons and Dragons crew. Yeah. Okay. Um. And um, and, and maybe Ogden talked about it. Like I don't know, but yeah, like the the fact that you had her Dungeons and Dragons name so open was fine. Like because that that was easy to get to. But the fact that Halliday loved her, nobody knew this except for Ogden. Yeah. So, I mean, how did he figure it out in the movie? Wasn't it just like he was just watching, uh, like, he was, 
he was like just watching him in his like museum of his past and he mentions her and then she like looks away and in some weird way or something like something like that how did they come to find the scene was it artemis artemis like showed him that scene i think in the in the museum no he wade did because then he bets the butler that this is the only time that it's mentioned I, I know he'd seen it, but why did they go back to it? They were, he was discussing with Artemis about the clue and they were talking about, you know, leaping and, you know, not like going back, uh, like, uh, regretting something that you did, that you didn't do in your life or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like something what it was about. And then they basically, and then, he goes and then back. And they happen to know about Kira already or no, they, 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 went... they mentioned Kira in that scene, like when, Ogden and Halliday are talking. They mention Carol once, and yeah, and Wade caught on to it. Artemis hadn't yet. She was like, "Whoa, wait!" Because they were looking at Sorrento. Sorrento was in the scene. And also, then... Wade knew who Kara was because he had her death certificate. Like he had her like Obi- her uh, in uh, his car, yeah. like her obituary or something. So he was like already thinking about her and stuff. Yeah, he already um, knew, and then I, I guess he already knew about the connection, because he told Artemis the connection, and she wasn't aware that, that he had loved her. Right. I don't remember how he knew. You, you just saw the movie earlier today, so... Yeah, I just saw it, like, just a couple of hours ago. Um, <laughs> but it was it was very quick. Like, it's hard to remember this stuff. I remember afterwards, because uh, after I read the book, my coworker was asking me what the actual challenges were in the book and i was trying to remember i was like wait so when when did this happen because the second one is the one about uh the they have to collect all the trophies to get the jade key that's right they got to go to that house um on on like an old what was it it was like a one of those games where you had to type in what you wanted to do yeah but you like just did it in person instead so like yeah they ran around as the character and that's where that's where dido died as well um, yes that's where dido died and then that's when they found the jade key wrapped in the gum wrapper which then made them oh, go to the blade runner place i wanted to see that's that. what i okay Ugh. that's what i figured out okay that oh, was what? the clue in the book that i figured out so when he gets the key it's wrapped in that paper and he said yeah. it was wrapped in like that foil paper and the only thing i could think of was oh clearly this is for uh this is for origami because I, you know how I have all those origami papers. There's, there's like a foil origami paper where one side is foil and the other side is, is paper. Mm-hmm. And it's like a square. And he mentions that. And I was like sitting there thinking to myself, okay, well, he's clearly has an origami paper in his hand. Like this, that's what it is. You know, cause I know this, I'm, I was the origami club president. I have, like, a ton of origami paper. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So Dude, I was you're, thinking, you're okay. very proud of it. I know. I was, I was, what? I was like, vice president or something. <laughs> what was I? Yeah, I think you were. Some makeshift um, club that we made in high school. Oh, my God. It wasn't. It was, it was a real club. Um, it, was, it was pretty makeshift. It was. I got into college. Um, I, I knew it was so, gum. But I did, yeah, I, no, but it it yeah. wasn't a gum wrapper though. It it wasn't because like no, it think was it would because be, but... the guy the guy in Blade Runner would make the little things out of the gum wrapper. Right. Well, oh, anyways, it was origami. 
So he, I, I thought to myself, okay, what movie or pop culture reference uses origami? Like I just like had to, and I sat there and I didn't read along and I thought to myself, oh, like Blade Runner, like when he makes the little unicorns in Blade Runner. Yeah. And then I, I kept reading and then he was like, he figured it out. He figured out the unicorn thing. And I was like, oh my God, I figured it out. Like, I just like could not believe it. I was like so proud of myself. Anyways. Good job, Elsa. That's it. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't have figured out if I didn't love Blade Runner so much. And then let's see. The third gate was my favorite because it felt the most like the book. Um, Even though... So, so Anorak's castle in the movie was, in fact, the the mountain from Lord of the Rings, right? Like the lava place, the lava mountain. Or what oh, was it? Mount. Oh, what was it called? Mount Doom. Mount Doom. Yeah. Isn't that in Lord of the Rings? Yes, it is. Okay. So there we go. And instead of being an actual castle, um, which is fine, it's whatever. Um, and then, um. I, I liked how that played out because it gave I also liked how even though it was slightly different in the book how how Ogden actually had a hand in the contest than in the movie I actually like how Ogden was uh, was actually that what was it the the liaison guy at the at the library yeah. what was his name I can't I don't remember. remember he was like you know what the little liaison guy um so I like that part because you know who who would who would want to sit and watch this guy get the highest score on Pac-Man in order to get this uh or what was it it wasn't Pac it wasn't Pac-Man it was like a different game <laughs> they, they played so, so many specific. games so specific so yeah. specific I know like so well, it was watching... adventure it was adventure in the movie and it was um... it was it was adventure in the book too it... at the end yes but they had mentioned it. In the beginning of the book, that adventure had an Easter egg. Yes. And where so, like the invention of Easter egg came from. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay, well, I guess they're just going to have this in the beginning of the book and not the end. But then they also have it in the end of the book. So I was like, well, why don't you just explain it then? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I think the book, the way the book was laid out, it kind of wanted you to try and guess it, guess stuff along the way and kind of putting into perspective like just just like how the the challenge or you know the hunt is you have to remember stuff that you've read from the past like you have to but this was like a well-known idea that the very first easter egg was in this this well-known game called adventure and none of the iowi oologists could figure it out it's like that doesn't make sense to me i feel like they had all these people on the job they would know that the very first Easter egg ever would be an adventure and how to find that. I mean, I just like feel like if Wade knew that, wouldn't like all these other people know that too? Well, that's also difficult because like Anorak had had pre-programmed all of this stuff after. Like e- even though there'd be an, probably a game of adventure somewhere in the world, if you if you went to that room, it wouldn't give you what you wanted. You need to have you needed to have the pattern of keys first. You could you couldn't just go to adventure and then win. No, I know, but in the in the movie, oh. the adventure is in like the castle, and all the different IOI people are trying to beat it like in a line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then they they play, 
and they die, even if they win. Oh, when they, they just need to find the Easter egg. They were trying to know which game to put in because that's kind of what the that is what the last challenge was. When Wade drops into that room of what was it, uh, Anorex or you know uh, Halliday's basement or something, he had all those mm-hmm. computers around him, and he had to. Mm-hmm. He had to use the girl's he had dungeon, to type in the, yeah. the Dungeons and Dragons girl's name and then go to the Atari or something, go to one of the machines and put in the correct game to play. So, yeah, you'd think you'd think they would have gotten to this, but you know, it's just it's so much information that to pro- <laughs> to process. You I, and uh, it's it's, it's always the last thing you expect, I guess. <laughs> But, I mean, since we know the answer, it's it's easy to go on saying, oh, well, of course you should have figured that out because it's this later. Yeah. But... Well, I don't know. It just... I liked the ending in the movie with the with the, uh, the token that he gets. Um, I did like the d- different ways that he gets that, that uh, free life token. Um, yeah. Because he just didn't have enough time to play out that entire situation where he plays that game until he beats Halliday score and then he gets the free life token. Um, it was just so in the book, it's a lot of playing arcade games. And so that's why it would be hard to translate into the movie. Yeah, because cause also, I, I also feel like they kind of had to tweak things around to make it more of the age because I mean I I know the book is stuck in the 80s because these people are forced to but the movie you kind of have to cater to a new pulp Mm -hmm. pop culture audience as well you can't just like this movie could Mm -hmm. not have been fully 80s no and you have the like the Minecraft world and stuff you know yeah it's like all that stuff and and they brought up Twitch like that was so funny like hearing them talk about Twitch and seeing the, I don't play Overwatch and I didn't know that Overwatch was actually in this, in this movie until someone who plays Overwatch told me. And then, and then I noticed the Overwatch character. Um, Wow. That's cool. So it's just, yeah, because the avatars, I feel like the, the avatars gave them a chance to really reference everything. Like you saw a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, you saw Mm -hmm. the little alien guy from, what was it called? Like Looney Tunes or something, whatever they were called. Yeah, you, yeah. You saw Chucky. You saw a a monster ball or whatever. This ball that used to be a toy back in the, I don't know. This I don't know. It's called a monster ball. I think Kiefer has one, and he was like showing it to me. Um, but like you know, all these little things that they got to reference in was a lot of fun, and um, and uh, I loved how he was holding the the radio up while everyone was going to attack. Oh my god, I love that yeah. part. <laughs> so amazing oh so funny uh just all the references were a lot of fun and i'm glad they kind of put in some modern ones as well as some past ones because again like there was a lot of stuff that i didn't know what was happening in the book even though i heavily enjoyed the book but it wouldn't have been well translated into the movie uh i'm gonna read the uh metascore some of the reviews here it got a 64 which is pretty right in my book um the lowest one is Screen Crush with a 30. A wow. 30. Jeez. It says, with Steven Screen Spielberg... Screen Crush crushed it. <laughs> I know. With Steven Spielberg behind the camera, Ernest Klein's book had potential to transcend its source material. 
It's disheartening that the finished product is little more than the cinematic equivalent of a pop, pop culture mashup tea, which takes cherished icons of film and coats them in garish CGI while clumsily smashing them against one another like a child playing with action figures. That sounds that sounds pretty harsh. It's gonna, pretty harsh. I'm going to say when that I, right now. That was, uh, yeah. That was a bit too harsh. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? This book was about... This book was a big pop culture... I mean, like, not, like, today's pop culture, but, you know, a, a history's pop culture reference. Like, it's a being... pop culture... The movie, to me, was, like, a pop culture fever dream. It was just, like... What? <laughs> like, if you, if you were, like, had... If you, like, had a psychotic... You know, like, a, an episode of, like... It's just completely hallucinating all of this pop culture life this is what you would hallucinate like it was just completely you know yeah crazy it's just yeah. a crazy concept and I can't, I can't even believe it actually got off the ground and got made like that's how much it like seems so out there to me that this movie was even made because it's just so much so much work you know definitely and so much detail like and i don't think everything was overly like engrossed in cg i mean you're dealing with a no I think a it was virtual fine. reality world like how are you not mm -hmm. supposed to cg that you can't use puppetry for this shit like come on you can't like it had to be cg because this stuff is not real like yeah it's, i it's a yeah i think it's fun like i definitely like it i like the concept and everything i just think i i did I I don't know. I don't, like, love it. I don't, like, think it's, like, the best thing I've ever read or the best thing I've ever seen, but I, I like it a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. I, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to be like everyone else who's read the book then watch the movie and just say that the movie just was terrible because it was nothing like the book. I mean, I I wouldn't it. say that. Yeah. I wouldn't say I, I would that. say they're probably I really equal. enjoyed both because I'm actually <laughs> yeah. really glad that it didn't copy everything that the book did because that would have been a boring movie, just gonna say. Yeah, and, sure. And I thought that Stephen made a very, very enjoyable, very nice to watch. Like, I enjoyed every every minute of it. Like, Yeah, this is a review from IGN for 75. It says, Everything in Ready Player One ties together into an action-packed, upbeat hero's journey that keeps the film moving along at a thrilling pace. While not particularly emotional, and I was disappointed by how many questions are left open by its shallow visits to the real world, it's still a lot of fun. That sounds like a review that they didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird, like, like listening to these and be like, okay, they're they're asking why there weren't many jump back to the real world because in the book there's not so the hollywood reporter mentions it in their 80 it says a rollicking adventure through the world's bleak and fantastic steven spielberg's ready player one makes big changes to the specifics and structure of ernest klein's best-selling novel but keeps the spirit and level up thrills intact yeah i definitely i feel like that's 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 pretty close to how i feel about it um just trying to. I, I'm just wondering what I what I go see it again. That's the that's the question that I ask myself. Like, would I care to see this movie again? Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't see it in theaters, but I, I watch no. it at home. Yeah, I'd probably watch it like a few a few years from now 
if I just see it somewhere. Like if it's on Netflix, maybe watch it again. Just because, just because part of the wool is so handsome. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really liked Parzival. <laughs> um, what else? Okay, the one thing that I felt like was unnecessary was... I mean, not the one thing, because, you know, there were a few things I felt were unnecessary. But that that scene at the end, oh my god, where, where they were just, like, sucking face on the couch. I just was oh. like... I was like, really? Did it need to end like that? <laughs> I know, and like his really nice, like big apartment, basically. Like yeah, and his super flashy apartment. Like the two of them, like she's wearing some very fancy, like yeah, so weird though. Like her outfit was so weird, and they're just like, just like you just like see a big end screen of just him, like like what he was saying was fine, like you know, because the the Oasis is closed on Tuesdays, so that I can have a Mac out sesh with my girl. Like I'm like (laughs) what exactly. Literally, he goes, Oasis is closed on Thursdays. And I'm like, so you can have sex? Like, what do you... uh, That's exactly what you meant to say. Like, everybody go outside. Or everybody just stay inside. (laughs) I mean, just... God, that's so funny. And that just kind of annoyed me because... Because Parzival and Artemis weren't... Like, they weren't a physical couple. They actually talked. They hung out. In the book, they... He detailed out that they would that they would hang out together and watch movies together. And Mm -hmm. so the fact that just towards the end, these two were just all over each other, like, just got... Yeah, and even when they first met, like, they were on, like, that roof with all the greenery and stuff, and, like, they, like, leaned in and almost kissed. I was like, what? (laughs) Like, yeah, this a little premature. Definitely. It it felt very fast, but, you know, the whole movie felt fast, so it's... And it's hard, because they had had a lot of stuff to cover, which is why I kind of hoped that they would have I don't know ex- like made it longer somehow I don't know I wish I wish they had more time <laughs> I just I wish they had more time yeah well that's not how movies work Emily <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean that's they, how books work they, George Lucas unnecessarily no Peter Jackson unnecessarily extended The Hobbit into three movies. <laughs> yeah, it should have just been two, okay? We did not need it to be three. This, I mean, come on! Like, they could have, they had so much stuff there. It could have at least been spread out into two movies, maybe, probably. I think. I think. No, this is a self-contained story <sighs> that has three very specific things. It's not like you can just split them up. Like, it, it's a story that needs to be told all at once. It's like, it, it's a hero's journey, so... How I don't I don't understand how you say that. That doesn't make any sense to me. You're you're just that that statement you just said. That statement you just said. No, I'm I I disagree. I completely disagree. I mean, I think that I wouldn't mind like living in this world longer in terms of like more books. Like I feel like if if this was like a book series, that would have been more like I would have been more invested in that. I think. Yeah, I I definitely feel like. In terms of the movie and the book, I felt the book ended to where I don't need any more, but the movie is now making me want more. Yeah. Yeah. I want I want more. Well, there is no more. Like, there's just, this is it. Which is sad, because <sighs> there's not going to be a Ready Player 2, okay? Ready Player 2, I'll sound right. Oh my god. <laughs> 
yeah, that's uh, that's Ready Player One for you. Um, yeah, I was so excited to talk about this movie. I'm glad I got all my thoughts out of my system. Um, there are gonna be there are gonna be so many Artemises and Parsifals at Comic Con. Oh yeah, damn. Yeah, I want to be Artemis. I want to find my Parzival. <laughs> oh. Artemis was so cool. Oh, she was so cool. I loved that. I loved her bike that she had. Oh, so awesome. Yeah, she she was pretty badass, and definitely like I liked her much much more in the movie than in the book. And uh, I liked her. I liked her in the book, and I, I just like how they gave her more in the movie. I think I think the uh, the problem I had with this was, like I said, it had that that comic book guy kind of feeling where it just to me like it's about a fat kid who's a nerd and like no one you know he doesn't have any friends and it's like what you know this is this is the tale of every cliche nerd person the you know like dog story yeah like the writer of the story who wrote himself. A character that is himself, like, you know, it just, to me, it's just like, was, that's like really on the nose for me with this book was just this guy was clearly this child, you know, who felt like he was in some way marginalized from his peers because of his interests and his hyper, like, specific and obsession with all of these interests, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know... That's like a t- that's a story of a lot of a lot of people and even today a lot of kids but not so much as as it was in the 80s when this man Ernest Klein was, you know, born probably mm-hmm. and like grew up. And so I feel like this book is a very male centric book, like a very just for this specific nerd person, this is, you know, this nerd trope of a man, you know? Yeah. That I just felt like that was so prominent within, which is what he knows, and that's his life, and I'm not saying that that's, like, a problem, but it just, to me, it was, like, too much, too much, like, him trying to write himself out of that situation, you know? Like, write his nerdiness and his sadness away, which is fine. I'm not saying that that's, like, what he shouldn't do because he wrote like a really cool book but you know it's, it's like he's trying to write himself into this you know yeah I can see that I can see it and that that's why I have a problem with the way he interacts with like all the women in the book it's just like yeah like, it's just but, uh, I don't it's know what very if... stereotypical and very uh, very uh, not not one sided but like very almost I mean, almost one-dimensional, really, because because it's it's he kind of just took these themes that are already stereotyped to this type of person, yeah, and and kind of just got and then just put a fanciful, clever story around it and made it, and the the fact the fact that it tied to a lot of people's interests plus had an interesting storyline plus had pretty relatable characters, um. Got, was very successful in this book. Yeah, yeah, but you just uh, explained it pretty well. I just have, a, I think, I just mostly have a problem with the characters, and that's about it. Um, because I, I, I really enjoy all of the, the different tasks, and who doesn't love a good riddle? I mean, 
That's fun, right? Oh, God, I'm terrible at riddles. Jeez. <laughs> I, I hate riddles. I'm so bad at them. I hate them so much. They're so confusing. Well, then you don't belong in an adventure movie. Nope, I don't. I was... If if I was if I was a gunter, no one would want me on their in their clan. I'd be no help at all. The only trivia I can help you with is random nineteen thirties MGM musicals. That's all I can help you with. <laughs> hey, that's good for a pub quiz. It's it is. I have actually helped in pub quizzes with my <laughs> MGM musical knowledge. Ah, uh, funny. Um, but yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed it. My mom liked it. She, of course, if you, if I haven't talked about my mother on this uh, podcast yet, she, she has, she has one way of describing every movie she sees. Every movie. <laughs> every movie. Al- Alessandra knows this because she's my best friend. Um, <laughs> my, my mom has, has one, has one thing to say about every movie she sees and she goes, well, that was cute. And I'm like, Mom! And I just like, I'm like, do you Every know? Every move. That could, it could be anything. I'm always like, great, Mom. That's all you have to say? Where my thoughts are like reeling in my head right now and I have to now put all my thoughts down in a couple of hours before I do a podcast. Thanks for thinking that it was just cute. Yeah, oh she could God. like watch Star Wars and think it was just cute. Like, yeah, like, yeah. What? That's what she, every movie I have showed her thinking that she would love it, she just ends with, well, that was cute. Thanks, Emily. And I'm like, oh my god, I want to yell at you right now. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You're you're killing me. You're killing me, mother. I just that's all you have to, that's, I'm like, that's all you have to say? And she's like, yeah, it was very, it was cute. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> my mother. I love her. I love her dearly. I love her very much. Um, oh, that's okay. great. So, this was very enjoyable, Alison. I really enjoyed talking about this with you. It was... Um, I had way too many thoughts on my mind, and this was this was very good. Um, if you enjoyed it, please leave a comment, like it, subscribe. I don't know how to do this. Um, leave uh, rate it on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. If you have any ideas of any stuff you want us to talk about in future episodes, uh, you can email us at allbythepopcorn at gmail dot com or allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail dot com. You could also find us on Facebook. Just search I'll Buy the Popcorn Podcast on Facebook. Yeah. And, then and you can we follow We also our, have a Twitter. Yep, Twitter. It's at Buy the Popcorn. And we also have a new Instagram page that Alessandra is running, probably way more effectively than I'm running the Twitter page. That's um, fun. I like it. You could just look up I'll Buy the Popcorn Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. That, that would be an easy way of letting you guys know that we have new uh, episodes out. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, yeah, our previous episode was just an episode of Indiana Jones, um, which we did get some more feedback on, so that was really exciting. Oh, and yeah, really great. We'll bring that up at, at the next indie episode. Of course, but um, if you would like... A, if you have any thoughts about Ready Player One and what you thought our reactions for and what you thought the difference between the book and the movie if you like that if you didn't like that we'd really like to hear you guys what you can think i mean definitely write us on facebook like email us we, we love it yeah we would love to hear your thoughts because you know it's just as much that alice and i can talk about it but we would love to hear what you guys thought too um yeah and uh, i guess we will talk to you all next time yeah thanks for listening